Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as we continue in our worship this morning, as we, uh, together as we seek to hear a word from God, as we reflect on his word for us, would you pray with me and for me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word given to us through Scripture. Lord, through Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, as he provides these essential teachings for us, Lord, we pray that as a people, we would seek not only to hear what he says, but that your spirit would give us the strength to do what he says. And I pray, too, that the words that you've given me to share this morning, Lord, that they would be from you and not from me. And so in all these things, we lift to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our, our Lord. Amen. So it was 1961, and it was that season that Vince Lombardi began his reign as one of the uh, one of the greatest NFL coaches of all times. You know, that year actually began his reign of success because from that point, he actually won five NFL championships and out of seven years. Can you believe that? That's like the, the Patriots. Now, if you're a Patriots fan, you know, you're living in the glory days, I guess, but but five out of seven years, he won an NFL championship. In fact, he won three in a row. And uh, you look at, he actually never coached a team with a losing record. And you look at his reason for success, he focused on the fundamentals. Uh, that was like his go-to thing. And so uh, he actually previously to the 1961 season, the Green Bay Packers had been in the NFL championship and they had lost. So they had this lead and they squandered it in the fourth quarter uh to the Philadelphia Eagles. And can I tell you, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. Uh, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I like you. I just do not like your team, okay? I know it's a hard thing to say, but, you know, sometimes hard things need to be said. But uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, they lost to them, and then they... Uh, so you can imagine how the Green Bay Packers fans felt, or the players, rather. That whole summer, they were preparing, just waiting for training camp so they could get back in and get back to it. And they were they wanted to take everything that they knew so that they could build off of it, right? So they, they had such a good team, and they wanted to get better. And so they walk in to the first day of training camp, and Vince Lombardi famously holds up a football and says, Gentlemen, this is a football. You know, uh, funny story, somebody in that room, when he said that, said, Slow down! You know, you're moving too fast. And so his idea was, he wanted to go back to the basics. Right, he didn't want to build off what they had. He wanted to go back to the foundation and make sure that that was right. And so they actually started on page one of the playbooks. Instead of you know reading from the playbook and getting more and more, and as they'd already uh, memorized it and, and just adding more plays, he started from play one and said, "Let's get these down. Let's get them right. Let's perfect them. Let's get better." They focused on black, uh, blocking and tackling. You know, I watch football games today. And I'm like, "How did you miss that tackle?" Well, the reality is, is you can focus on so many other things and forget the basics. And so this team became so good at all the other things 
that all the other teams had taken for granted. And so they, they excelled at it. And so they had focused on the basics, and six months later, they were in the NFL championship, and another team I'm not a big fan of, the New York Giants, they beat them 37-0. to zero. And, you know, it started in that place. They, what this story reminds me of is, is two things. We have to start somewhere, and we have to stick to the basics, right? We have to understand our, our basic foundations, and especially when it comes to our faith, we need to have a faith foundation, and we need to start there, and we need to, to build from it. And so I think Jesus actually addresses that in our scripture today. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be looking at verses 24 through 29. And uh, what's interesting about this passage is actually the end, the conclusion of a, a sermon that Jesus is preaching called the Sermon on the Mount. The reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is preaching on the side of a mountain. And uh, he's teaching some of the basics uh, of foundation, some of the attitudes and actions that we're supposed to have as Christians. And this is kind of one of his very first sermons. And so he's talking about these things. He's preaching these things, goes through them. And uh, it's at the very end, 724 through 29. Uh, here's what Jesus says as he concludes that sermon. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The winds came and blew and and beat against the house. The rain came down, the streams rose up, and no matter what storm came, the house stood on its foundation. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and the house fell with a great crash. You know, what, what Jesus is saying here is that we need to have a foundation of our faith. We need to have some attitudes and some actions, some things that we build on from our faith. And so he's saying, this is it. Matthew chapter 5 through 7, these are the things that I want you to focus on. This is the foundation that you build and then you start your, your faith from. But you need to have it, not just hear it. You need to do it. You, ha- you need to have it so ingrained in you that no matter what comes, uh, you won't forget it. So I- I'm not sure if I've shared this with you before, but I was a cross-country runner in high school and college, and uh, I wasn't half bad, right? And we would, uh, in high school, we had 5K races of 3.2 miles, and when I was in college, there were about five-mile races. To get ready for these uh, short races, our coach would have us run 50, 60, 70 miles in a week, and I was always known on the team as the, the fundamental runner, right? I would always focus on the basics, breathing, posture, and pace. And to me, I mean, that was really important. And so every race, man, I was going through the mechanics. I was making sure that I was doing all those things. I focused hard on those in practice, not just running, but on those foundational basics. Uh, until there was a race my senior year of high school. Uh, we had actually been invited. We were from, you know, I grew up in Texas, and uh, we were invited to the Foot Locker Invitational in North Carolina. And it was a big race. Lots of teams, a regional race. Lots of uh, uh, states were there. And um, I don't know if it was just because it was my last high school race as, in cross country or if the adrenaline was pumping or what. But every like fundamental thing that I'd learned, I just threw out the window that day. And I decided I'm going to sprint this whole race. It was the dumbest thing I ever did. 
So the gun goes off and I'm sprinting and we're in this big field. And, you know, I grew up in Texas, so I'd never seen trees before. And we were about to run in this this uh, tree filled path. And I wanted to get there first. And so I'm sprinting and I'm running. And all of a sudden I look back and I'm leaving the pack in the dust. I'm in first place for the very uh, first point two miles of the race for the first couple minutes. Because, look, I've won races before, but never from the beginning. Right. So I'm running and then I could hear the crowd cheering. They're like, yeah, go. Except my coach. No, slow down. And sure enough, I mean, it was clear as day. I hit that tree line and all of a sudden I just lost all energy. And I still had three miles to, to jog the race out. <laughs> so I did. Um, boy, did I pay for it. But Here's the point. It doesn't matter how much we train, how much we prepare, the sort of foundation that we have. If if we don't have it so ingrained in us, if we don't know it, if we don't hear it, if we don't do it right, if we don't follow through with it, it doesn't matter because the storms of life are going to come. Would you agree? We need to have a faith that endures. So we have to remember and we have to do. So as we conclude you know, we've been talking about Jesus for many months now, right? Every series, every sermon has been focused on Jesus, and we're concluding that time. We're, we're still going to focus on Jesus, but we'll look at other areas of uh, a scripture to talk about. But as we conclude our time together, Jesus, it, I thought that one of the best things we could do uh, is go back to the basics and make sure that we have a foundation to stand on as we move forward. And so Jesus is saying in the scripture today that, the storms are going to come. We all know the storms are going to come. And so we need a foundation to stand on. But what's true for, I think, us today, would you agree that the storms of life, it's like the frequency and the volume, the amount of them seems to increase just a little bit? Would you agree with that? Because, I, and I feel like there are two reasons why we might feel that way. Speed and noise. Right? The speed of life and the noise that fills it. So, you think about the speed of life and how fast we move and the number of decisions we have to make have increased exponentially because the number of opportunities that are available to us, the, the amount of efficiency and convenience that we've achieved as a society has caused us to have life just sped up, right? And so we're so connected with iPhones and emails and we can't ever shut it off. We can't ever think. We can't ever breathe. Do you remember those days? I know I'm only 33. But I remember a time before iPhone and email. I remember the good old days when I could be driving in my, uh, I had a Ford Explorer, a 92 Ford Explorer. I remember I could be driving around in that thing and nobody could call me. I couldn't, I, if somebody wanted to get a hold of me, they'd have to call my house. And when I got back home, that's when I would respond. But now we're like driving and we're trying to respond to everybody. The speed of life has increased exponentially. And the storms of life just feel like they've, picked up and they've gone faster and faster. And then the noise that fills it, right? Would you agree that there's just a lot of information out there? You know, before I used to, I used to joke, I was in college and I would still have to go to the reference section. You know, the internet was still kind of brand new when I was in college. But now you go on Google, we could be in the middle of a conversation. Maybe you do this. I don't, but you know, well, yeah, I do. My spouse will say something. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's right. Let me Google it. And so we will go and we will Google the heck out of everything because we want to have this crazy amount of knowledge. And does it ever just wear you out because there's so much out there? And you look on the news. It's just good news every day, isn't it? I mean, they just get on there and they're just cheery as heck, right? They're just ready to tell you all the good stuff that's happening. No, <laughs> the sky is falling every day and it's going to fall even worse tomorrow. You better tune in. 
I look on Facebook and I see people, good, good people, write terrible, awful things on Facebook because the, the speed of life and the noise that fills it, I think we can get caught up. You know, uh, a, a guy came by our house the other day to fix our dishwasher and uh, we got to talk and he has two grown kids and I, you know, I made the comment, I'm a talker. And so we really did get to talking. If, uh, and, and so halfway through the conversation, I looked up at him and I said, hey, are you looking forward to having grandkids one day? And he responded and said, you know, Mark, I, I honestly don't know how you could bring children into the world today with everything that's going on. You know, my sense is that the speed of life and the noise that fills it if we're not careful, man, it can cloud our understanding of who God is who God's calling us to be. And when that happens, we can we can get caught up in it all and it can leave us feeling uh, numb, lonely, isolated. It can get us to the point where we don't know what to do and we've, we're listening to what the world is saying, the speed and noise at which it goes and we can just run away from God and, and who God's calling us to be and we can abandon our faith entirely if we're not careful. And... That's not who we're called to be as the church. That's not who we're called to be as followers of Jesus Christ. We need a faith that endures. And we need a foundation to stand on through the storms that life brings. And so Jesus is saying, you have to hear what I'm saying. And you have to do it. Could you imagine if Vince Lombardi had stood up that day at training camp and he held up that football? He said, gentlemen, this is a football. And then began to... To only talk about the plays and to only talk about tackling, to only talk about blocking. And they never actually got out in the field and never put on uh, pads until they went to the game. Could you imagine if they never actually practiced? They only talked about practicing? You think they would have won an NFL championship that year? No way! Because all they would have done is heard what he said and not uh, done it. And you know, the truth is, I think this is true in our faith a lot of times. Uh, I'm... I was convicted as I was preparing for this because I realized sometimes I will hear a word of inspiration and uh, from either another pastor or uh, just I'm listening and I'll hear something that inspires me that uh, in my faith that I want to take a next step or I'll be reading scripture and something jumps out at me that I just had never seen before and it really just grabs me and pulls me or I'll be praying and then all of a sudden I feel like God in that moment has said something specific to me, has has called me and said, Mark, you need to get up, you need to go do this. Maybe you're like me, you know what I do? I go tell my wife about it. We'll talk about it. And then maybe sometimes if I'm really feeling bold, I'll call my parents and we'll talk about it or... And then uh, what I'll do is I'll go to my small group or my friends and we'll talk about it. Man, can you believe what I feel like God's calling me to do? And then if I'm feeling really bold, right, we'll go to our pastor and we'll talk about it. And then we'll go to God and we'll talk about it. And then we'll be in the car and maybe I'm just a little bit uh, uh, crazy, but I'll talk to myself about it. And then what we'll do is after we've talked you know, through all that, we'll go back and we'll talk to our spouse about it. And then we'll go to our small group and we'll talk about it. And then we'll go to our pastor and we'll talk about it. And then we'll go to God and talk about it. And we'll talk about it. And we get caught up in this cycle and we will talk about it so much until we've talked about it to death and we've forgotten what we were talking about. Maybe that's true for you. Or maybe you get convicted and you want to go out and do something and so you're a planner. And you are going to write the most complex, beautiful plan that you've ever seen. You've got points A, B, C, D, E, F, G, subplot F, subplot, you know, we're going to go back and then once we've done it, and so you've got this such a complex plan 
that it's absolutely impossible for you to follow through. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you've got the feel-good factor going, right? You hear a word and it feels good and you think that's such a great idea and is because you don't have a foundation of faith to stand on, you go out and as soon as the feelings run out, that's when you can't persist in what you feel like God's calling you to do. Maybe you find yourself in one of those places. So as we wrap up, again, talking about and focusing on Jesus, I don't want us to miss the opportunity to live like Jesus. My fear is that we would hear it, but we wouldn't do it, that we wouldn't follow through. And Jesus says the wise man, the wise person, hears and does. We need to be wise. We need to build our houses on the rock. But you know, it can be hard to find a place to start. Would you agree? And one of the biggest conversations I have with folks, especially new believers, Pastor Mark, where do I start? Where do I start reading? And uh, especially in Scripture and my faith. You know what's true? I, I think I've said this before, but my dad's a master carpenter retired. And so, I mean, he walks into a building. It's kind of obnoxious, right? He'll walk in and say, oh, man, did you know that's not level? Oh, did you know that baseboard is blah, 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 blah. It's like, Dad, I don't care, but that's really cool you know. You know, that's great. But really where it comes in handy for me is uh, I'll call Dad and say, Dad, you know, something's broken. The door's broken. I need your help fixing it. Or, Dad, you know, I've got a honeydew project. Will you help me figure it out? And so uh, I don't even have to send him pictures or anything. I just describe He's like, oh, yeah, here's what you do. Uh, but you know the, uh, what I fi- discovered with him is, you know, the very next thing he says in that conversation Do you have the right tools? Right? He always wants to make sure that I have the right tools. And as men, can I tell you, it's not often or ever that I would give a gift to another guy because that's just kind of weird, I guess. But if I were to ever give another man a a hammer, it would be like, hey, it's cool, man. I get you. Right? Because we can give tools. We need the right tools. And, uh, and Jesus gives us these tools to build our faith foundation in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. So these three chapters where Jesus is talking about the foundation of faith, these are the, these are the tools, these attitudes and actions that Jesus is talking about. These are the tools we need to build our faith foundation the right way. So it's in Matthew 5 through 7 that Jesus has given us the attitudes like, don't condemn others. Jesus says, When you pray and fast, do it with the right intention. Don't just love the people that you like. Love your enemies. He's saying, don't worry. That's an easy one, right? We cannot. No, I'm kidding. Jesus says, be pure of heart. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are the attitudes that you need to develop. And then he goes on and these attitudes spill over into actions. It's here that Jesus says, be the light for the world. Be salt for the earth, that by your good deeds, you would glorify your Father in heaven. And it says, be generous. Jesus even says, pray like this, and it's in Matthew 6, that he gives us the Lord's Prayer. It tells us exactly, not only how to pray, or, or with what intention we should pray with, but exactly what we should be praying. Don't seek vengeance. Instead, offer forgiveness. Treat others the same way that you'd want to be treated. Jesus says, Follow me. It's not going to be easy, but here's your foundation. Here's where you start. Here are the tools. Here are the attitudes and the actions that you need. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, contains the basics of foundation of building a faith that lasts. And so hear hear me say this. I'm not encouraging you just to read it. I'm encouraging you to do it, to follow through. Do these things 
and do them well. Start here. You know, as Pastor Mark said last week, he talked about priorities. And if faith is the number one priority for us, if we've gone through that practice that he gave us last week and we've really identified faith as the number one priority, we need to make sure that we have a foundation to stand on so that we can have a faith that lasts. And so as we're looking at, you know, implementing and uh, these attitudes and actions and really building our faith foundation, I think that there are two practices that we can use to help us to do that. And they're very, uh, they are keep it simple. Right? We need to keep what we're doing simple and we need to model it for others. In other words, we need to keep after it. And so we need to keep our faith simple. We need to quit trying to make it so complex. In the 1920s, there was this uh, Italian plane designer. Right? He uh, designed this plane that was going to have a hundred people, transport a hundred people over the Atlantic Ocean. It was started in the water, landed in the water, fly from Europe to America over the Atlantic. This thing had nine wings. And eight engines. This thing was complex. And can I tell you, it's very first and very last day of flight. It, uh, yeah, that was supposed to be a joke, but, uh, thank you. It went 60 feet in the air before it crashed. And then, uh, needless to say, nine wing planes have been absent from uh, aviation ever, ever since. Can I tell you, we need to quit making what Jesus says so complicated. Right? We, we hear that Jesus is calling us to pray and pray in this way and, and so we worry that we don't have anything to say when we pray to God. Jesus has given us the prayer. Let's keep it simple. Right? We, we need to quit overcomplicating. Instead of trying to just become this person, this new person overnight and providing this complex plan of how to do it or these ambitious goals, maybe we just need to take one step at a time and make a commitment to say we're just gonna do this and we're gonna follow through with it. We need to keep it simple. And so Matthew 5 through 7 talks about some spiritual disciplines that can help us to do that. But I want us to focus on a couple things. Uh, actually, two specific things. Prayer and scripture. And here's the challenge that I want to give us. Between now and Easter, <clears throat> I want to uh, challenge us as a church between now and Easter for 20 minutes a day during that block of time, an, an actual block of 20 minutes, to fill that 20 minutes with prayer and scripture and specifically, if you're not, uh, if you're thinking, man, I just don't know where to start. I don't know exactly where to begin reading my Bible. I want to invite us to read Matthew 5 through 7 as a church every single day for 20 minutes in, in addition to that prayer uh, from now until Easter every single day. And can I tell you, maybe you're a slow reader like me every once in a while and, and you wouldn't be able to get through all that in uh, that whole 20 minute block. That's okay. Read what you can. Pick it up the next day. And when you finished, Start over. And can I tell you, it's, uh, it's not enough just to read it. We have to understand it. And so I'd encourage you to read multiple uh, translations. So maybe you start with one translation, you go to the next, and go to the next. Uh, I read with the New International Version, sometimes a New Revised Standard Version, sometimes a New American Standard Version, or the Message Translation. There's a bunch out there. You can find them on your Bible app, or you can do BibleGateway.com, or you can buy a book that has... A Bible, rather, that has multiple translations in it. Well, the point is, we need to be able to understand what we're reading so that we can really internalize it. And we need to repeat that practice over and over from now until Easter. Right? What better day, way to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ than to have really focused on building that firm faith foundation? And so I want to invite us to do that because repetition is the mother of all skill. And can I tell you, if we could develop any skill, I think building a a firm faith foundation on what Jesus says and then doing that 
by the power of the Holy Spirit is, is something we should be doing. And if you're not sure about how to pray, here's the good news. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches us what to pray. Immerse yourself in Matthew 5 through 7 until Easter to build a simple but firm foundation. But don't just keep it simple. We have to model it, right? We have to stay after it. We have to do it for ourselves. Because I can read a book all day long, but until I've kind of done it for myself, that's when it really clicks for me. Maybe you're like that as well. Ben Franklin, one of the founding fathers, he he was always pursuing excellence in his life. He wanted to better himself. And so when, when he was 20, he decided that there were these, he identified 13 virtues that he thought would help his moral integrity and to build that, to strengthen that. And so he wrote down these 13 virtues. He actually created a chart and he kept track of how he was doing with each of them. And here's what he would do. He would focus on one virtue a week and he was just laser focused on that virtue. Now he would keep track of the other 12 but he was laser focused on the one for that week. And then the next week he would move on to the next virtue. And he was laser focused on that virtue. He'd still keep track of the other 12. But here's the thing. There were 13 virtues. So in three months time, he was able to focus on one per week and just kind of go through them and build and get better. And then when that three months was up, when he'd gone through all 13, he'd start over. And so in a year's time, he was able to give intentional focus to each virtue. Four times. Because he, he just, he didn't want to just know the virtues. Right? He didn't, he didn't want to just do them. He wanted them to form his moral integrity, to form his moral compass. He wanted them so a part of his life that he was relentless in his pursuit of having them be a part of his firm moral foundation. And he kept it simple. He focused on one virtue at a time. And friends, I think Ben Franklin kind of gives us a good model as we look at Matthew 5 through 7 as we're doing Uh, if we take seriously that challenge, the other piece to that challenge, I don't want you to just read it and to pray, but I want, I want you to pick, I want to challenge you rather, to pick one or two of the actions or attitudes found in Matthew 5 through 7 and just laser focus in on them. Just do them. Do them until you're great at them. And Jesus gives us a bunch of them. Uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, pray in private. And so I want to invite you to do that. Uh, but, you know, maybe you're already doing that. And so you could bring that prayer life to your family and to begin to pray either at dinner time or to lead your spouse in prayer time or uh, to lead your family in that prayer time to really make it, to model it, to make it a part of your life. If you have trouble with generosity, man, just try it out. If you uh, if you make promises you can't keep, Jesus says, don't make promises. Right. And maybe reorder your calendar in such a way that you're better at follow through. Are you having trouble offering forgiveness or loving your enemy or somebody who's wronged you? Well, there's this practice, I think, that can help us if we look at that just a little bit differently. If you've wronged somebody, then I want to invite you to write an email or uh, to write a letter or to call that person on the phone or to do something to offer an apology. Because I think when we can come at it from a different angle and we realize that we've wronged somebody, it's a little bit easier for us to then understand the bitterness that we can carry when somebody's wronged us and what that looks like. But here's the thing. I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that one or two uh, action or attitude you want to pick and you want to zone in on. But I do want to challenge you to pick one or two. Right. Take seriously that challenge. Spend 20 minutes a day uh, reading Matthew 5 through 7 and praying 
and then pick one of those two, one or two of those uh, actions or attitudes and be relentless about them. Internalize them. Because the truth is, we need to start somewhere. If we want a faith that lasts, that endures the difficult storms of life, because friends, again, we're all going to have them. We can't just hear about Jesus and talk about what we heard. We have to do it. We have to follow through. We need to start simple. And we need to model it. Because there's plenty of noise out there. The speed of life is so fast, the noise that fills it, and the world is trying to tell us where to go, what to do, how to be. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And friends, when we call him our Savior, we are his disciples. He's the one that we should be following. And can I tell you, it's really hard to do that without a foundation to stand on. We need to take these basics so seriously that we've ingrained them into our life that we know them so well that no matter what storm comes, no matter what life brings, that we're ready to face it because we've got a foundation to stand on. So friends, let's not be like the foolish man who heard what Jesus said and didn't do anything about it, like building his house on the sand. Let's be like the wise man, right, who heard the words of Jesus Christ, went out and did something about it, and in doing so, built his house on the rock. And so friends, my prayer for us today, and let's pray together as we conclude our time this morning, that God would give us the strength and the conviction to take seriously this opportunity to build a firm foundation on the words of Jesus Christ, to hear what he says, and to go out and do it.